first I have to write the thing, and you gotta fight this, and that's it. Folks, welcome back. How are you today? This is the job meltdown. The closest thing you will get to an anti-work podcast and where home sweet home sounds much nicer than streets, bitter streets. Being homeless has to be one of the top most undesirable circumstances to be in. Here at the job meltdown, I understand that right as it stands in our society today, you must have a job to continue on what's considered, by most, a normally structured life. I still hate work. I still really have an irrational anger towards how the workforce is accelerating forward as it is. That being said and known, getting an income by means of labor is what is saving and determining how people live. And that makes sense. There's more to the story, though. Observing how people work for money, that's how usually their pay is achieved for them. Push aside the rich people for a second, those who have an inheritance or a side hustle they found, or just pure luck. We are trying to find the line where work is too unbearable for one to sustain, and where the title of becoming homeless is bestowed upon you. There's a ton of bad circumstances that can happen to all of us. I've spoken about layoffs. That obviously isn't the reason for homelessness, yet it can almost be a miracle to find a job. Another problem is some type of addiction, whether it's a drug or something like gambling, that can lead you down that road of being homeless. I'm swimming in dangerous waters right now. I know. Don't be a shark yet. Just be a fish with me for a moment. It can start pretty early in life where you're born into it or you find yourself getting kicked out of your parent or guardian's house when you become a legal adult. Any type of debt can leave you walking on the line of keeping shelter. Being released from prison can possibly leave you in both situations. And that can range from someone who totally deserved time behind bars and another who made a mistake or worse was falsely accused. Either way, not a fun point to start from. All of this and more could be avoided and or aided if we thought about how we engaged with helping the homeless. Before we do that, though, we need to understand it first. So swim with me as a fish, or walk with me on the sidewalk down the boulevard of what's going on with homelessness. When is it mostly happening, and why? And where can we help take a quick detour out of the way before we hit a dead end? Yes, I should have saved that joke for like truck or taxi drivers. I'll save it. Don't you worry. So to start off, let's get some definitions out of the way. There is two categories that you can find yourself within regarding housing. Being and experiencing homelessness with help from soreworks.gov is an individual or family who lacks a fixed, regular, and adequate nighttime residence, such as those living 
and emergency shelters, transitional housing, or places not meant for habitation. Okay. An individual or family who will imminently lose their primary nighttime residence or no subsequent housing has been identified and the individual slash family lacks support networks and resources needed to obtain housing. Unaccompanied youth under 25 years of age or families with children and youth who qualify under other federal statutes, such as the Runaway and Homeless Youth Act. There's also have not had a lease or ownership interest in a housing unit and who are likely to continue to be unstably housed because of disability or multiple barriers of employment. An individual or family who is fleeing or attempting to flee domestic violence, has no other residence, and lacks the resources or support networks, there's also, or support networks to obtain other permanent housing. The second category you can categorize under is at risk of homelessness. And these people have the annual income below 30% of the median family income for the area. They do not have sufficient resources or support networks immediately available to prevent them from moving to an emergency shelter or somewhere not meant for people to really live well. Exhibit one or more risk factors of homelessness, including recent housing instability or exiting a publicly funded institution or system of care such as foster care or mental type institute. It's really me talking, hi there. So I'm going to hop over to another site but before I do that, out of all that text I read to you there, I found it interesting that for age on being homeless, you are eligible for foster care and whatnot until 25, and I know there has to be a reason why, and I looked you guys, and you can bother me on my Instagram, which I totally have now, Job Meltdown, follow me on there. I got one picture on there, so yes, that's me, shameless plug, but I'm curious on why here for youth with housing and how they define youth here they are air quotes considered youth coinciding with this act until 25 not 18 not 21 and if i had to guess it's maybe because of insurance reasons i'm not giving high quality answers here i was just curious myself why they went with 25 years old with all that stuff that's all staying with definitions and your absolute favorite part of the show the history of homelessness. Oh no, my listeners are fading. No. All right. So jumping back to 1870s in the United States on National Library of Medicine, the term homelessness was meant to describe tramps transversing the country in search of work. The primary emphasis at this time was on the loss of character and a perceived emerging moral crisis that threatened long-held ideas of home life rather than on the lack of a permanent home. The solution of homelessness today is often perceived to be the creation or availability of affordable housing. But during the early 20th century, jobs rather than housing were viewed as the solution to plight the transients wandering the country. That was actually a super powerful phrase right there. I like this. So first off, don't go around calling people tramps again. That's rude. Don't do it. And now we have a general idea on when owning some type of shelter was being tracked and becoming an issue. This article discusses how fewer than 7% of Americans lived in the city in the early 1800s. But this changed 
with industrialization going into the 19th century and had a migration of people go to urban cities, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, and this shifted people relying and working on farms to now focusing on jobs. There was a bunch of other stuff there, but that's was the general gist. The word hobo first appeared in the 1880s in Western America and softened the public's perceptions of tramps. Don't go around calling each other hobos either. The modern era of homelessness is the next section. The early 1980s marked the emergence of what now may be considered the modern era of homelessness. Major forces that change the complexion of homelessness in the modern era include gentr gentrification of the inner city, deinstitutionalization of the mentally ill, high unemployment rate, the emergence of AIDS, an inadequate supply of affordable housing options, and deep budget cuts to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, or known as HUD, and social services agencies in response to what was then the country's worst recession since the Great Depression. To summarize some of this stuff the best that I can, regarding mentally ill in that time, which was honing in on the recession period a little bit before 1980, you had funding being cut and beds being available for patients dropping over the years, leading to a flood of people not doing well in the noggin region of the body in the streets. There were cuts to the budget in housing such as supplemental security income, and then it was made harder for those to qualify to get care under disability acts. Some good things happen to reverse these effects, things like sending intoxicated individuals to shelters rather than going to jail. HIV or AIDS was a huge factor for a boom in homelessness because as research suggests, you had a lot of male, substance abusing, undiagnosed individuals around each other, so it seemed like homelessness and AIDS were intertwined with each other a lot. Again, there is some hopeful things happening too. In response, to the co-occurrence of AIDS and homelessness, the Office of HIV-AIDS Housing was created in 1990 to manage the housing opportunities for persons with AIDS. The program was created due to inadequate housing resources for low-income people living with AIDS, who also faced difficulty obtaining supportive services and experienced discrimination. So, holy crap, shelters sound dandy, they're not, but we do need more, and it's not a permanent place to stay. There's a lot to digest here for the history, but there's reasons why I'm bringing up the history and terms that we do have for solving homelessness and how it relates to an anti-work podcaster. First, these circumstances I'm bringing up, layoffs, debt, mental illness, inadequate housing programs, all of that really shows me that it's not always the people at fault for being homeless. It's not always bad choices. It can be bad choices from a system that should have helped you in the first place. The second reason for this info is how dumb and naive it is to think the solution to a homeless person's problem is to just get a job. There's many sites stating that more than half the people at the shelters have a job and many have more than one. 
Flip side to that is there may be some funding for food programs and housing, but it also takes any charitable volunteer work to keep things running. So I do ask if you hear the phrase for the homeless is some iteration of just get a job. You can always retort that statement with half the homeless do have one, at least. This book or website has a lot of good info, so I'll keep it on the side. But let me give you some stats outside of the United States. Nigeria has the most homeless people out of every other country. And Syria has the highest homeless rate, so the amount of people becoming homeless over time. As for least amount, Japan has the least amount of homeless people, and Finland has the lowest rate. Now, why is that? Well, these countries seem to have decent policies intact that prevent this, such as better suited programs for housing. Japan is a little more harsh on why its numbers are low, but again, they did have good programs available. However, behaviors like begging were not allowed, so no sign holders or hat upside down extenders. That could be a cited offense, so there's a mix of strict rules and help available here. Finland has a housing first policy, basically putting resources into getting people that need shelter first above all else, still focusing on other needs afterward. Last week tonight, with John Oliver. Whether you agree or disagree with John's stances on complex subjects, his episode on homelessness was to me pretty informative, and I recommend giving it a watch. He states that in the U.S., homelessness has been on the rise for the fourth consecutive year, not only did states and businesses spend money on spikes and barricades, but also played terrible songs outside on blast at night to discourage people sleeping near their buildings. He had sources saying that the cost on incarceration and emergency medical supplies alone is enough to create a program with adequate housing, and that doesn't include shelters and food handouts. Finally, the solutions to a lot of this seems simple. Give the homeless a house, and that seems like a simple concept, but there's complications. I have an episode on applying for jobs, and explain how hard it is for the average Joe to get a job. In order to keep a house, you need a job for income, but a lot of jobs require an address, and if you don't have that, try explaining that to an automated reader for forms at a business. New York Times echoes this quote, Quote, no factor matters more to homelessness than access to housing. Poverty, mental illness, addiction, and other issues do play roles, but they are less significant. The Bulwark, I think is how you pronounce that, is a site documenting a brief stay in LA and examining the homeless. Quote, I accept that there may be people for whom the housing first approach doesn't work or doesn't work independently of other measures. I am not an expert in those policies, and neither am I. But it's a statement of plain fact that doing more to keep people in their homes, advancing housing subsidies, rent control, affordability, housing policy, will prevent people from ending up on the streets. If that doesn't strike you as true, it's difficult for me to avoid thinking you care more about punishing the perceived moral failings of people without homes than actually solving the problem of homelessness. I'm serving up some golden harsh browns on your plate, and maybe you're understanding, maybe you agree. I'm going back to my anti-work roots for a moment. 
This info, I'm hoping, gave you a more detailed picture of what homelessness is and what it can be. It's not always the dirty person in wrinkled clothes pushing a cart of stuff around the railroad. It can be anyone around you working at a business, shopping at a store, but they don't have a proper bed to go to. So with that, again, is any job out there worse than being homeless? No way, right? That's why people are angry about these seemingly lazy homeless people, is that it's their choice to not get a job, and it's their choice to be an addict, and it's their choice to not work as many hours to get that few extra dollars for the rent or debt that was too expensive in the first place. The most difficult job in the world can seem like it doesn't come close to being as difficult as the average homeless afternoon. But I can't really prove that's true. And really, if you don't agree with me on anything I've said, you have evidence or experience that is against that. I'm fine with listening. I'm fine with researching with you. But to my strong understanding of homelessness and work... No one wants to become homeless or ride the fine line of it. Yet people have quit jobs in many places because the work really might be too much or the business didn't accommodate correctly. Look, I've never been homeless and I'm so, so thankful for that. So I can't speak on the unsheltered's behalf. Deep down in my gut though, I can't imagine their daily, their hourly struggles they experience, have to fight through. And I've spoken to strong-willed individuals who dug their way out of that situation. Somewhere along the line, they got help though. A library for internet access, they asked for work to get money, and people helped. Something happened. Instead of luck, I just want more people to get help. And shelters are a good thought in the right direction. They aren't doing very well at the moment, though. My first episode, boy, it's actually been a long time since then. In my first episode, I gave you a hypothetical question. Would being a caveman be as difficult or harder to live as than a homeless person? No is the answer, just on the resources you can get alone. But this is my imagination going wild, trying to answer typical questions we ask ourselves about this stuff. Imagine. You are a caveman or cavewoman. You are thankful you at least have a cave, but you have to find all of your resources, your warmth, your food and water, clothing, and you may even go out of your way to find interesting items to entertain yourself in the cave. Weather changes can mean a lot to you for hunting and how you are prepared for the journey ahead and approach the tasks ahead of you in that day. Many dangers await you disease from bugs, accidentally falling down somewhere on like a rock or tree, and wild predators coming at you from any direction in the shadows. Does your job sound as hard as this? Possibly, even if it is, you are doing your job for the pay or the benefits or just as valid, you have to do this job. There's no entry-level job where people are like, man, I wish I could just be in the jungle somewhere hunting for food. That's crazy talk, right? Anyways, back up for a second. Envision a homeless person for a second. Go ahead. What did you see? Did you imagine people in rags 
standing next to like a burning barrel down the highway, the person pushing that cart, if you did, imagine this. You are dropped in a place you've never been in. A massive city, skyscrapers and all. You find out you have no money to your name here and no property and no one knows you. You have the day to figure out where to get cover for sleep. What's your first move? Was your answer to get a job? If so, you could be right. But in this narrow scenario I made up, you need immediate food and shelter. So I would imagine you would hit a shelter and a food bank or place with donations or a soup kitchen. Then you would find work. Humans need food, water, and shelter to prosper. You can go a certain amount of time without food and even less time on water. But depending on your surroundings, what you possess, who is with you, who you know, it can become an immediate danger not having shelter, facing the freezing cold, the blazing heat. Holding a job, having a career, should grant you access to the three necessities of being a human. It doesn't have to be a glorious meal or bed. Anything is most likely appreciated to those who need it. So where is help available? for the homeless. It depends where you live. There should be some type of food bank where you can get some basic goods. Find a local shelter that can keep you if available. There's a chance that you have a human or social services office or department that can help, or even maybe a church around you has something to donate. I'm on a inhomelessness.org website. This states that calling 211 will get you the assistance regarding that. There are also national numbers you can access depending on your situation like veterans, domestic abuse, and unsheltered youth. And before I wrap things up, I must discuss something I also discovered, which is the concept of NIMBY, or not in my backyard. To what I've gathered, this has two ways it can be used. One way is against corporations building some type of structure or plant, a building that to the people residing around the area find it not only to be an eyesore, but also the problem of having their property value go down, which does make sense. This has been described as a double-edged sword because that same type of rule or law can be said for homeless shelters or public restrooms, preventing to what could answer some of the homeless woes. Some states in the U.S. actually have anti-NIMBY laws to counteract this type of thing. Yet there is confliction on where shelters and programs should be because if people are opposing these things just because they don't like the look of them, well, where else are they going to be? This was me just ranting a lot, but that's all I have for you today. Right now, it's raining outside, pretty chilly weather. I'm very happy and thankful. I get to have protection from the cold to give you my wild takes on the workforce. Don't forget to download this episode and others if you liked it. Share the podcast with those who you think need to hear this. I'm on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and more. Coma Media, Deep Ambient, is the intro and outro of the show and thank you and thanks to a couple other artists for some background music i think i messed this one up one is ever flowing by skill rock the other is just a bunch of numbers for the name so thank you this was the job meltdown i'm t clown 
I'll see you next time, and as always, don't work too hard out there.